today we are going to talk about audio sources. So specifically for music listening, what are the ways that you can listen to music? First we'll start with vinyl records. The hipster trend that has taken the world by storm in the last few years. Um, the, the overall reasoning behind it becoming so trendy, I think, is the shopping experience and the physical tactility that they're able to provide. You have a physical cardboard sleeve, a physical disc, which many people just haven't had the experience of using. So I know I really like to collect them. It's really fun to go shopping for them. It's a great time to go out with friends and just sift through all this history, all the musty basement smells and all the classic albums. Um, but you can also get some pretty good sound quality out of them. So they, they're a technically limited medium, but they were often recorded in ways that maximized the sound quality within those limitations. They required a little bit more art and effort to get good sound out of, and so that's why you see so many vinyl files looking for certain mastering engineers, because the mastering engineers that learned their art and got really good at making vinyl sound good are highly coveted now. And like I said, you get the tactile experience of looking through a sleeve, you get to look through some of the liner notes. You get to see pictures of the band members back when it was recorded, see the lyrics, all that stuff that you just typically don't really get with other mediums of music. And I mean, if you just want to feel trendy and look cool and have, uh, have conversations with your hipster friends about it, then there's your in. Um, and, you know, it's always really satisfying just to see that black record spinning around. Not to mention finding a diamond in the rough. Yeah, for sure. Searching for years to find one record, and then one day you find it in a dinky little shop for in perfect condition for $3. Yep, yep. And uh, so, like, you and I have been in the record shop where we saw the, uh, the original Blind Faith cover art with the underage topless girl on it which was obviously not allowed for very long <laughs> um, so it's always just fun to find those those hidden treasures and sometimes they'll be in the bargain bin but uh, you know with the with the proliferation of the industry and the internet they uh, they're usually marked up to Market the other great value. thing about vinyl is there's there's no better way to really get to know an artist that you really like because it's a lot more difficult to just compile the songs that you like by that artist. So you get a lot more introduction to their deep tracks and you can't skip around as easily on vinyl. You have to place the needle exactly perfect. So your options for, you know, just skipping over those deep tracks that you may not have heard of are fairly limited so you get to know the artist a lot better and find out what their sound is actually all about and what their writing style is actually all about and get to listen to those songs that may not have gotten any radio playtime. right 
And one fun thing that I noticed when I first started playing records a few years ago was, you know, I grew up on CDs where you always had a hit at the, as the first track and a hit in the middle of the album. And on a CD, that doesn't really make any sense. You know, albums that were mixed for CDs usually had the first two or three tracks were all the hits. And then all the rest was filler. But in a record where you've got essentially two beginnings, one for each side, you put a hit on the first track of each side, which makes a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a fun little discovery for me. I've actually, I've actually kind of noticed in my, in my experience, usually the second track is the hit. Like, for instance on um dire straits i'm not the album name is escaping me at the moment but the second track is money for nothing yeah brothers in arms yeah brothers in arms the first track is isn't a song like i don't even know what the off the top of my head what the title of the first track is yeah similarly with um pyromania def leppard's album i i believe the second track is animal and the first track is a song that i haven't heard of so it's almost like the first track is sort of a warm-up and then the second track is is the hit yeah and it, it all depended on the the artist and the producer and all that stuff too but right. once you understand the structure of having two sides versus just one continuous playthrough um, it makes a lot more sense. And then you get into like the progressive rock, just one song for the whole side. And then the regular radio tracks on the other side. Well, and you can also get an album such as Asia's self-titled album, where the whole first track is just insane, amazing music. And then the second track they get experimental with, and it's, I mean, not to color anyone's opinion, not quite as good. Yeah, definitely not as popular. I don't think there are really any hits on the B side of that album. No, none at all. Yeah. I believe that one is similar where the first track, I couldn't tell you the name of, but I'm pretty fairly certain that the second track is Heat of the Moment, which is arguably their most popular song. I would say it's definitely their most popular song. So. Yeah, so overall... We both like vinyl records, and uh, we have our reasons. And um, but there are also some, you know, some drawbacks. Uh, as I said, it's a technically limited medium. The dynamic range is not as wide as digital. Uh, obviously, you're subject to just the physical quality of the record. You get surface noise. You have to deal with dust. You have to deal with vibration. You have to have a good uh, stylus and cartridge and turntable and phono preamp. It's it's more difficult to get a good consistent sound out of it than compared to a CD or a download or just streaming on Spotify. What I will say for the surface noise is sometimes, you know, those pops and those crackles can can definitely add to the experience of listening. Oh, yeah. People add that to digital music just to make it sound more fun, I guess. Right. Just to evoke that. I, w- I would say that vinyl has a certain warmth 
to the sound and i feel like a lot when a lot of people record digital music they try to evoke that same warmth that you would get off of a vinyl record yeah so a lot of people talk about the warmth of vinyl and i would say that while some records and some systems can sound extremely warm I think that is more an artifact of vintage records and vintage equipment than it is of the actual medium overall. Now, can you explain a little bit what a warm sound would be? A warm sound is a is generally a more amplified mid-bass frequency range. Um, so somewhere around, you know, uh, 100 to 500 hertz uh if you boost that area up then it'll sound warmer warm sound is a a uh, excess of mid bass and a lack of treble um so that was you know just the way they mixed a lot of records is a lot is that just kind of the natural range of records is that kind of why they had tend to have more of a warm sound so like as uh, the the limits of the vinyl frequency range don't necessarily dictate that um, a lot of times it was the mastering engineer or the mixing engineer who just boosted those signals um, and then the cartridges and the stereo equipment of the time was usually relatively warm sounding um, they had large woofers and relatively anemic tweeters that just sounded more bassy. And uh, a lot of times the cartridges and the equipment didn't really accentuate the, the top frequencies. They weren't necessarily tuned for those frequencies as much as the lower frequencies, at least in my experience from just the way vintage equipment sounds. Um, so you would you would say that the warm sound is more a sign of the times rather than a limitation of the or a signature of the equipment itself. I would say so, based on my experience. Um, Similar to how the early two thousands music and you know hip hop can kind of be characterized by a really 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 deep big bass. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, rattles your entire car, and the car next to you. Yeah. So. Um, and of course, this isn't a this isn't a rule. Of course, there are there are vintage records who, for example, jazz records, who really highlight the drummers. Um, I mean, you can you can tell a lot of detail of the you know the cymbal work or the snares, um, and not everybody had the same speakers. Um, so some some speakers would sound really nice and warm some speakers would sound really harsh like a vintage klipsch speaker you would probably want the record to sound a little warmer <laughs> just so you didn't be so irritated by the sound but they could make the record sound however they wanted and uh mastering engineers like uh bob ludwig who intentionally boosted the mid bass uh, because that's the way they wanted Led Zeppelin to sound. That was a that was a creative choice, and uh, not everybody did it, but it seemed to be more common back then. 
that's that's one of the other great things that we can mention about vinyl is it's it's a lot easier to get into the layers of the music you can you can listen to the same song about four different times and depending on which track you which track within the song you want to listen to it can sound completely different for instance you can listen for the vocals or you can do like i usually do um usually the first time i listen to a track i'll listen for the drums i'll listen for the cymbals and the the toms and stuff like that and then usually the second time i listen for the bass because that's the bass line if you're just casually listening to it you probably don't really hear it unless it's you know a pretty prolific bass player um like getty lee or cliff burton or somebody like that but usually the second time i always like to listen to uh the bass rather than you know listening to the electric guitar which you can always hear at least the type of music i listen to yeah yep so you can notice those details where you can really think oh wow that's that's how the artist you know a lot of people say oh it's how the music was intended to sound which there's a certain amount of truth to that um you can hear things that you wouldn't be able to hear just casually listening like say through your car speakers or something that the artist really did intend you to hear so you'd be like oh so that's how this song actually sounds right yeah but uh so i guess that's that's kind of a, a pro and a con to vinyl is that it forces you to listen and get involved with the music but you have to spend the time to listen to the music um yeah. it's not just a casual you know plop on a record while you're doing some housework it's a it's a much more active process and when you have to go change the record every 20 minutes you're not going to get as much done that's not really right. what it's intended for right no it's definitely a from start to finish it's you know you gotta you gotta take out the record you gotta put it on you gotta clean it then you gotta listen to it then you gotta flip it and you gotta clean it again it's a very active listening like you have to be actively engaged and you know set aside the time to sit down and listen to a record yep and so you brought up a lot of the 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 maintenance work that just goes into it as soon as you get a a new or a used record uh you know gotta wash it you gotta clean it every time you put it mean, on don't we don't mean stick it in the disc in the dishwasher get a get a disc washing kit if you're gonna get into vinyl yeah either get a vacuum system or a, a, a brush solution with a uh, a cleaning uh, solution or a water bath uh, situation there are, there are many different ways and it could be as simple as just running a terry cloth over the surface but if it's truly really you know caked on dirt which is probably the way it's going to be at that with that two dollar record you found then you'll need something wet to really get in the grooves and clean it up and then you know for the the casual everyday listening once you've listened to that album for the first time you're going to want an anti-static brush as well right and some plastic sleeves i've found really help keep down the dust as soon as you start using a paper sleeve especially the original old brown paper sleeves um those things just leave lint every single time you pull the record out so getting some nice anti-static plastic sleeves to really really help keep down the dust generation really helps with the maintenance of the records 
but then once you obtain all these records and all these cleaning tools and all the accessories and things you have to have somewhere to put them <laughs> correct which is usually something that you don't think of until you're you have just stuff sprawled out all over the floor and then you have to go get a shelf or a bin or something to just put yeah, your I, all your new collected records and your disc cleaning and stuff and all right, your other to, stuff. I had to order an entire new table just to put all my all of my equipment and store all my records and all of my accessories and things like that. It takes up, you know, pretty decent sized chunk of my apartment. Yeah. It's a system. It's not something you just start doing. Uh, you have to be dedicated to it, and uh, I I really like my IKEA Kallax shelf because the squares are perfect, 13-inch squares, which is just perfect for a record. Mm. Um, which is hard to find, actually. Yeah, a lot of them are perfect 12-inch squares, which is just a little too small. Right. I think a record is like an album is like 12 and three-quarter inches or something like that. Uh, it's a little smaller than that. I think it's just I think it's just over 12 inches square, oh, okay. including the sleeve and the cover and everything. Because generally the disc is 12 inches in diameter. Oh, gotcha. So, overall, I thoroughly enjoy vinyl. Um, it's it's certainly my favorite. It's definitely not what I listen to most because, like I said. It's it's a process. You have to set aside the time and put in put in the effort to sit down and and listen to a record. Uh, you you kind of have to be in the mood. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the reason I like vinyl records so much is because of the music that's on it. I like old music, and I like the way it was originally recorded. So I buy records for the music i don't buy records for buying records um but i will also say that um it's been really interesting just noticing the little differences between an album on vinyl versus an album on spotify which was you know the the digital remaster from 1992 whenever they first digitized it um Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's exactly the same, and it's obviously from the same analog tapes. Um, but for me, the key is really the music. But I will say that when I first started listening to records with the equipment I had at the time, I was fairly disappointed. Um, at that point, I had been pretty well developed in the digital audio realm because i grew up with cds i already had a cd collection i had started streaming and buying hd downloads um i had a nice digital converter and nice headphones and when i started with a vintage dual 704 that has some kind of grounding issue somewhere that i haven't figured out and a vintage cartridge it just didn't have the it, it didn't have the detail and involvement that I wanted. Um, 
the overall frequency response and sound was really fun and the music is always fun but it just didn't it, it wasn't quite there for me so I will say that while I enjoy vinyl I didn't really start to I guess go to it or gravitate towards it until I got much nicer more expensive equipment to bring it up to the same level of sound quality as my digital system and well and to contrast that experience I came from essentially you know an mp3 player and I bought you know a brand new audio technica turntable and my equipment was you know all brand new I didn't have any like vintage stuff like the oldest piece of equipment I have is my receiver that's I'm pretty sure like a late 90s receiver so I didn't really have any of that vintage-iness it was all new out of the box and I still really like my setup it's not the most expensive or the highest fidelity but I still thoroughly enjoy it well and based on my experience listening to your system for the new uh, enthusiast who wants to get involved with records don't buy vintage stuff don't buy the vintage equipment unless you know you want to fiddle with it until you die um, go get the audio technica turntable go get the you know, the Chinese T amp receiver thing go get the small bookshelf speakers it's just gonna get out of the way more and let you enjoy the music more um, like I said it's the vintage stuff that I have is really fun and really cool to look at but it's not as good to listen to um, and it's probably going to have issues unless you're willing to pay a premium for something that's been refurbished and that premium is going to be a lot more than some budget new equipment. Right. The 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 budget new equipment, the Audio Technica $100 turntable and the bookshelf speakers and stuff, it's a really good plug-and-play system. I would say if you're going to get started um, in audio, stay away, or in vinyl, I should say, Stay away from those Crosley all-in-ones. You're not going to get what you're looking for as far as sound quality or anything like that. Um, in my opinion, those things are just for people who want to go around and tell people that they listen to vinyl records. If you want to actually get the experience and the benefit out of it, you do have to put a little bit more money into it and get you know the, the different pieces to the puzzle. Right. And... One thing that I see with a lot of new budget uh, turntables and systems is that you need to be able to adjust the cartridge or the tone arm. And a lot of the all-in-one automatic systems don't let you do that. And I don't understand why, because that is a one of the most important physical necessities of playing records is being able to adjust the cartridge and the tracking force as that's like it's a physical necessity like i said and the systems that don't let you do that don't make any sense to own i don't you might i don't know if you would know i don't know if you can adjust those on my turntable I'm not sure you can. Um, 
I think it sound. I, I mean, it sounds good, but as soon as you want to expand a little bit and be able to play different stuff and adjust the sound, and spend you, a lot more money. You just you can't. Um, and I've seen and people with with Crosleys who struggle to play a, a, a new, thick, hot recorded record. And you have to, like, tape a penny to the top of the cartridge because you can't adjust the vertical tracking force. No, I, I will say, even though you can't adjust those things on mine, mine's a little bit higher quality than one of those Crosleys would be being in, for those of you listening that care, it's an Audio-Technica ATLP60. Right. Yours is obviously tuned by people who know what they're doing. <laughs> right. Crosley's more of one of those um, nostalgia brands rather than, or at least those all-in-one setups. I'm sure they have some higher-end stuff, but... Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I don't want my new record player to look like a 1960s Victrola. I d that, doesn't, that doesn't look good to me. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're going to bring up the looks, <laughs> you came to you come to the right guy. That's that's a big reason I bought the turntable I did was because of the really cool Audio Technica slip mat and the fact that it's a great looking turntable for a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's obviously not the best looking one out there. If you want if you want a really good looking one, you're going to have to spend about ten times that. Yeah, and my my turntable is quite a bit more expensive than that. And uh, what one do you have? I have the VPI Prime Scout with upgrades. So I believe it was called the uh, the Super Scout, I think, because it has a thicker platter and a longer tone arm compared to the regular Prime Scout. Um, and I bought that because I knew that it would bring me to a significantly higher level than a lot of the $100,000 turntables, but without spending $10,000. And that was kind of the, the, I guess, sweet spot I wanted to be in is high enough to be high end, but not so much into the diminishing returns um and don't get me wrong there's this is a a big boy way too expensive turntable but it got me to the point of actually like respecting vinyl as a medium and not just kind of putting a fun record on to to jam to um and that I expect that to last me many, many, many years. Um, and so far, it's been a joy to use. Now, you, you may not have one off the cuff. Do you have a recommendation for someone that maybe wants to be kind of between our two? Because we're kind of, I wouldn't say we're quite at extremes, but I've probably got pretty much the best budget-friendly turntable you're going to get get as far as you know not spending more than like a hundred bucks you're not going to get a better turntable for any cheaper um and and yours is definitely not the most you can spend on a turntable but probably the maybe I, the most you should spend on a turntable i would say have, that's about right 
do you have maybe a recommendation for in between? I would say the Audio Technica ATLP 120. Okay, now that one is that one is just slightly above mine. That one's not that much more expensive than mine. It's not, uh, but it's a completely different turntable. You know, it, that's, it really is. That's one of the Techniques clones that lets you adjust the tone arm and it lets you change the cartridge, and it it you know it, it'll let you do what you need to do to have fun with it and change the sound however you want. Um, there's also the uh, uh, Rega, um, uh, what is it, the RP1, or the Planer 1, which is more in the $400 price range versus the two to $300 price range. Um, and also similarly, the Project or Music Hall line, um, they make entry level ones that are, I think, go down to 250 or 300 and those will have a different sound than the Audio-Technica, but um, will also allow you to really tune the sound how you want to. Yeah, and I mean, if we're, if we're going to go back to looks, the projects are, that's a good looking turntable. <laughs> yeah, so if you want the vintage look, go with the Audio-Technica, that's the Techniques clone. And if you want a more modern, look and feel then go with a project or a rega uh the the really thin slabs with really rigid connections um a really nice piano black finish or yeah i guess they call it ghost finish or gloss white sorry ghost. and a lot of those project and regas have pretty simple upgrades too you can change out the platter, um, you can upgrade the cartridge, you can change the belt. Uh, there are all, Those two are belt drive. Um, you can change the cables if you want to. Uh, it really lets you tinker with it once you know you want to get into it.